You're listening to the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, episode 100, featuring special guest Carol Lindsay of Broadway's Wicked, Beautiful, the Carol King Musical, and Newsies. Let's get started. What's up, everyone? This is Maggie Barra, and welcome to another episode of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast, where I take you behind the scenes of the theater industry. The Actor Aesthetic Podcast is produced every single week for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at actoraesthetic.com slash podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Actor Aesthetic or join our Facebook group, the Actor Aesthetic Alliance. All links are in the show notes. Now let's get on to the show. Can I let you in on a little secret? Thriving on social media does not have to be as daunting as it sounds. So let me help you. With my brand new online course, The Essential Guide to Instagram for Actors, you'll learn all my insider tips into defining your brand, creating high-quality content, increasing your engagement, and building a following on Instagram. Take it from someone who started on social media completely from scratch in 2017 and built an empire of over 10,000 loyal followers. If I can do it, so can you. As a special thank you for listening today, you will get 30% off your purchase of the course by going to actoraesthetic.com Instagram and using the code podcast30. Can't wait to see you all shine on Instagram. Holy cow, we are at episode 100. Wow, time has flown by. It feels like just yesterday I was uploading... <laughs> the very first few episodes of the Actor Aesthetic Podcast to Podbean and desperately hoping that my podcast would even get approved and sent to iTunes. I was such a noob and I honestly am so thankful to each and every one of you, especially my OG listeners. Y'all are the realest. I cannot wait for you to hear today's episode, and it is with the incomparable Kara Lindsay. I have admired Kara as both a human and a performer for over a decade now. I was first introduced to Kara when my sister booked the national tour of Little House on the Prairie. Kara was playing Laura Ingalls and to this day, she is one of my ultimate role models in the theater industry. Talk about being a good person and a true leader. If you are listening today, please make sure to screenshot this episode and tag both Actor Aesthetic and Kara Lindsay on Instagram stories. I am telling you, you will not be disappointed. I learned so much from this episode today, and I hope you appreciate the wisdom that she shares. Just to give you a brief background on this veteran, Kara Lindsay has played many beloved roles on Broadway, including Glinda in Wicked, Catherine in Newsies, and most recently, Cynthia Weil 
in Beautiful. She also originated the role of Laura in the National Tour and Guthrie Theater Productions of Little House on the Prairie. Her regional credits also include Paper Mill Playhouse, North Carolina Theater, Kansas City Starlight, Kansas City Rep, the Fifth Avenue Theater, and Jiva Theater Center, among many others. In this episode, Kara chats about her college auditions, her transition from college to New York City, her almost Broadway debut, gone terribly, terribly wrong, her personal experience with vocal injuries, her eventual Broadway debut with Newsies, and her favorite job yet being a mom in the theater industry. Without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy our chat. Kara, thank you so much for joining me this week. I'm sure it's been really crazy and stressful, but I'm so glad oh, that you're here. Thank you for having me. I love <laughs> that you're doing this and thank you for including me. You're awesome. Can you just start off by telling us where you initially grew up and how you got involved in theater? Yeah, I grew up in Rochester, New York, which is the real upstate New York, um, you know, not just lower upstate. <laughs> um, and I got involved in theater at a young-ish age. Um, I went to a public school in Rochester, and um, I grew up doing competition dance. So I was really involved in oh, dance as a young I know girl. that. Yeah. Okay. So I grew up doing a lot of dance, actually a lot of sports, too. I played soccer and basketball. I, I wanted to play hockey, but I never even tried. I just rollerbladed <laughs> with a stick. Um, but <laughs> So I did a lot of competition dance. That was, like, my big thing. I loved doing it. Um, and, and when I was in sixth grade... Uh, the school that I went to, Greece Athena Middle School, they were doing Pirates of Penzance mm -hmm. and they needed more tapping cops in their show. And uh, I was like, yeah, well, all my friends are doing it at school. They're doing the show, this uh, the middle school show. Mm -hmm. And I want to be in it too with my friends. And I can <laughs> tap. I know how to tap. I'll just stand all the way in the back, please. And um, I did the show and I loved it. I loved it so much. I had a blast. And mm -hmm. um, it really was from then on I just kept doing it and I think what I loved about sports is that the, the teamwork together you guys are trying to accomplish something and um, the empowerment in that and same with competition dance it's a whole other kind of team with theater it felt like it the same kind of teamwork the same kind of teamwork except you were impacting people in a different way mm. I got to, you're making an audience feel something so it was like teamwork and that feeling that you get to share uh, with an audience. So I think that's what really drew me to it. I never was really able to articulate it, I don't think, until my adult years, but I just grew to love it. And I kept dancing. I kept doing show choir. I did um, the, all the middle school shows, just loved doing it. And all through high school, continued with show choir. We would travel the world going to do these performances. And um, it was just uh, the best time. And I'm just trying to put myself out there as much as possible as a young girl. But it, they were never any professional things. I just hmm. did whatever was going on in the community or mostly at my school, my music teacher teacher drama teachers were great about creating opportunities for all of us so I just was involved with those things and then when it came time to go to college mm -hmm. my drama teacher at the time said you know you could probably do this for a living if you wanted to Kara 
I was like, really? I don't know. I don't know. I'm scared. Um, because I, I knew the starving artist. Yeah. You know, that, that That is a thing and or it's a possibility. And th that phrase is wrapped around actor. Um, so I was afraid of that. Um, and I wanted to make sure that I was creating a safe place for me in my future I guess I don't know hmm. um, but I also didn't I didn't want to have any regrets and in my gut I was like well you don't know if you don't try so I will always wonder if I chose something else I would always wonder if my real passion was really what I was meant to do hmm. and I if and the only thing that was keeping me from continuing on with theater was fear and I'm so glad <laughs> that I <laughs> followed my heart and followed my passion because um, I, I don't even know what my life would have been like. But um, I, I decided to audition at a bunch of schools that were I liked. There were like eight schools that I auditioned at. And uh, I auditioned uh, for Carnegie Mellon on my birthday. No way. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this would be great. And actually, I wasn't even going to um, audition for Carnegie Mellon because I had heard a rumor that they were really snobby and that they were like not nice people. I don't know even who that was from. There was no social media back then. Like, uh -huh. I, but I got it in my head that they like had a cut system and they cut people. Yeah. So I wasn't even going to go. And then I did. And I was so glad. That is so funny. <laughs> because what, and that's really the only school. I mean, I got into um, Fredonia State University for musical theater as well. And my, my sister had gone to Fredonia State. So I kind of mm. wanted to have my own identity, you know. Yeah. Like, like you have a sister too. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we as younger sisters, <laughs> we want to make sure we kind of create our own path. Um, mm. So I was I was excited about Carnegie Mellon and I felt like that was the right thing. I was like, okay, this is and I didn't get into a lot of other schools, a lot mm. um, CCM, NYU, um, uh, University of Buffalo, mm. Ithaca. Um, I forget the other ones. Anyway, but it's such a gamble. It's like it it's, really is. It doesn't define whether you're talented or not. That's all BS. I know. And you can only go to one school, so it doesn't matter how many schools you get into because you no. can't split yourself up and go to more than one, you know? No. That's crazy. I didn't know that. How yeah. do you feel that your time at Carnegie prepared you for a career in the theater industry long term? I think, well, number one, going to any school that's away from home, I think is such a growing time for you, regardless of your profession that you are pursuing. Uh, and I, I really needed that. I was a homebody. I, I mean, sort of. I was sort of a homebody. Um, mm. I needed to learn who I was in this world and how to be independent and take care of myself. And in doing that, I kind of learned about who I was as an artist. Like I was sort of just discovering that at that time. And it was, I didn't go to Interlock and I didn't know what that program was. I didn't, I learned that when I was at school. It was like, oh, hmm. some of these kids have gone to Interlock. And I'm like, what's that? <laughs> um, and it felt like I was like so behind because they had all this knowledge already and they, um, and it was hard not to like just stay with me like stay with what's my what do i need to learn i can't compare to where their what their path is but i feel like really it was being being independent at school really prepared me and 
that independence prepared me for discovering who I was as, as an artist and who I am as Kara in this world. Um, because regardless of the role we play, we are ourselves. Um, and I think it's so important to know who we are. And I'm still learning that constantly. <laughs> but I think it's just, you know, and that's just like knowing what you have to offer, what you have to offer in the world, what you have to offer in um, a project, in um, a song that you sing that makes you unique. Um, but I think what I loved about Carnegie is that for my experience, everybody's experience is different. But for me, it felt like I wasn't being shaped into something that they felt um, I was supposed to be. Hmm. Yeah. They let me find and shape myself. And I think that like there are a lot of people in this business that don't even go to college. They come right from yeah. high school and like, yeah, and that's, that's amazing. And like their path is directly to Broadway. Hmm. Um, and that's their, that what they were capable of doing and what they're, mm -hmm. they, they were ready for that. I was not. I, there was so so much I needed to learn, and I'm so grateful that I had a safe space to do that. Mm. And that's what college is in general for, and like I said, like with any pr profession. Um, but yeah, I felt like I, I got to discover who I was in so many aspects of my life, and obviously mostly as an artist. Um, mm. And I'm still, it's a constant learning process. We are evolving humans and constantly learning about ourselves and. But I think what I'm most grateful for is that they encouraged quirks. They encouraged yeah. what makes you different and what um, what is maybe abnormal about you. <laughs> you know, like not not something just like cookie cutter. Cookie cutter, exactly. Yeah. Not something that's cookie cutter. So I appreciated that. What was your transition like going from Carnegie to the quote unquote real world? Ay, ay, ay. Yeah. Did you go, did you go a bit, like, did you go straight to New York or did you have a show lined up? What was that process like? I do remember there is the, this feeling of like, I can conquer the world when you graduate college. Yeah. Like I got this, I like learned so much and I'm carrying all that knowledge with me and I'm going to walk <laughs> into those rooms and be like, here I am. Um, but then, like, in reality, you walk into that room and you're like, here, I kind of am. Oh, <laughs> um, oh I just messed up really bad. So uh, it was it, like I had this false confidence, I think, Yeah. that a lot of people have. So it's it's kind of the same confidence that you have going into college. It's like you you're a big fish in a small pond, I guess, mm -hmm. you know, and you're in your community and, and then you go to college and you're like, oh my God, <laughs> I, <laughs> everyone's I so good. Everybody's so good. And I'm actually bad. How'd I get here? <laughs> um, you know, just detrimental things you tell yourself that aren't true. But, um, and then the same thing kind of happens when you come to New York, you're like, everybody's talent, like the whole world is, <laughs> I shouldn't be here. Um, but it's just, it was like, I think what I remember the most is just like a lot of mistakes that mm. like quote unquote falling on my face but then like getting back up again and those are the growing moments those are essential in retrospect I'm so grateful for those moments I mean we are not perfect people and like in order to grow we have to fall on our face a little bit um and I think that I 
that that was moving here. I mm. so moving here was I'm not going to fall on my face. I know everything because I just have four years of training, and then I came here and I fell on my face, and I was like, shoot. <laughs> and then getting myself back up again. Did were you auditioning a ton during this time? Did you find a survival job? Like, what was your day to day life like? Um, I I was. I was auditioning, uh, I, I, it felt like I didn't have anything to compare it to. So I didn't know if it was yeah. a lot or a little or yeah. what. Um, but I was auditioning for the first time through my new agent. Okay. I was with Bauman, Redanti, and Shawl at uh-huh. the time. And now they're BRS Gage. They've yes. joined. Um, so I was with them. And they were wonderful and so sweet and, like, really took me under their wing. And, um, uh yeah, they sent me. I remember going in for Legally Blonde at the time for the Ben oh my gosh. I remember going into for Chicago, and I tell this story a lot. I wore um, pink tights and a blue leotard with a, a bun in my hair. It was a dance call, and everybody else had their boobs pushed up to their eyeballs and like fishnets, wearing all black. And I was like, "These are the fall on my face blue. moments." I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. But even with like doing the band and snap that, that that role, I was like, I'm not like this person. Oh my god! Not that confident. I was like, he he, snap. You guys can't see because it's yeah. Um, but anyway, that was that was interesting. Um, but those were my fall in the face moments. But it wasn't. I wasn't auditioning like a, I don't know. I didn't have anything to compare it to. Like like I said before. Um, but I remember a lot of them because, and I think it's, you remember the growing moments you have. Yeah. Um, and one, the, the, one of them went really well. Like one of the auditions went well because I had learned a little bit for like after those few months of moving to the, the city and making mistakes, I learned like what I need to do. Um, but also it was the right role. Like, yeah. I don't see myself at, in Chicago. I mean, maybe Roxy at some point in my life. I don't know. But <laughs> as like a dancer, I'm not. I'm not as um, skilled as those other dancers. Nor did do I feel like I have that sexiness <laughs> to, to apply to that pink tights, blue leotard, um, and. <laughs> And then with like the bend, bend and snap, I can't even think of her the name of the role. Serena. Serena. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a Serena. I'm not. <laughs> so it's like know thyself. But also, I I wanted to practice auditioning. So and yeah, my agents were kind of learning who I was in the business yeah. and what roles that I would be right for. The one time where an audition actually went well, that's what I was getting to. Um, <laughs> it was for <laughs> Lone Star Love. And it was, um, it was at the Fifth Avenue Theater in Seattle and it was supposed to come to Broadway and it was like this big new show that was coming in, not big, but it was, um, it was exciting. It was based on the, uh, Merry Wives of Windsor Uh Shakespeare and it was uh, sort of like a a country musical. Um, and it was really interesting and funny. It was very funny. Um, and it was directed by John Rando. Um, it just and uh, choreography by Randy Skinner. Wow! So it was like a big deal and very yeah. fun. And this role was very wide-eyed and like naive and kind of like new to the world. And it was like, oh, this is me. <laughs> this is <laughs> this is who I am. And so like, if that was the right material for who I 
for who I was, who I am. I still am that person. And then also like the song itself was this mixy kind of sound and it was the, this country sound too, but not this big belter. Right. I'm not. Um, no, no, I, I'm not. That's that's you. I know, okay. I know who I am. I like to, I can mix belts. I can do that. But like, if you want me to belt and riff, okay, no, bye. <laughs> bye, bye. Um, so it, it was like this perfect balance of things. And like the, mm-hmm. I, I knew who she was. So I was able to go into the room and, fe- and I felt like I knew who she was. I also really prepared I worked very hard on the material and read with my friends and, you know, all those things that is obvious, but I, I think I didn't want to burden anybody. I didn't want to burden any mm. of my friends or, um, but it's important. It's important to like do it as if you're like, do what it would be like to go into the room and right? Then, so that you're super prepared. Um, so yeah, that, that, that role was a big, big wow. break. It would have been, but then that show did not come to Broadway. It actually, mm. the marquee went, was up at the Belasco Theater. Whoa. That close. Wow. Yeah. Um, so it's a whole drama. Um, but <laughs> Randy Quaid was uh, the, the main role, Falstaff, in the show. And he is now living in Canada and owes the United States money. Um, he is—he's kind of a rough human being. Gosh. He and his wife did a lot of damage to the show, and oh, I feel so bad for those writers because they were not able to do anything uh, to salvage it. Like it—it was mm-hmm. in Randy Randy Quaid's hands because he had signed a contract saying he would have the last say in anything. Um, so Hmm. that was the end of it. And, um, he's not in actor's equity anymore because, um, we as a cast and, um, all a part of Lone Star Love went to equity court. That's wow. I, this is all news to me. This is insane. It is insane. And it's interesting because like I say, I am, was even more a very naive girl you know coming to the city thinking everybody's like everything and everyone is rainbows sunshine nobody could do anything wrong Mm -hmm. um so i was even blindsided yeah like i didn't realize all the things that had been going on i knew that he would be in his dressing room um with his door closed a lot and his wife was a little off i was like wow Um, but that was really all i knew and other than what people were telling me but before um, Lone Star Love, I was doing some catering. Yeah. I was um, I started working at Dave and Buster's in Times Square. No way. And don't do that. I love <laughs> Dave and Buster's, but I don't recommend working in Times Square. If you can, <laughs> if you can decide to go elsewhere, that would be great. But I um, and I remember I always tell this story because I remember. Um, you know, being in the thick of these auditions where I was like not doing well, and like feeling like a failure. Um, and I went, I, I was training to be a cocktail waitress at Dave and Buster's in Times Square. And I, they had a break room that um, if you guys are familiar with Times Square and where Dave and Buster's is, um, it's the, the back entrance is right next to the stage door of Aladdin. Hmm. Um, and I don't remember what show was right there at the time, but across the street at the Nederlander theater, it was rent and I could see that marquee and I would, so th- that, that back entrance to Dave and Buster's is where, um, a lot of the waiters and 
everybody, the staff would take a break and you would be downstairs outside um, in the back entrance and you'd be looking at the Niederlander marquee and seeing rent. And I would look at that every time and I was like, oh my gosh, that's so nice. <laughs> I'm like, crazy. I can't wait to be able to like, hopefully one day walk into a theater and like work there. I don't know. Oh um, and then that theater is where Newsies was. Yeah. Oh so my god. That gosh. theater is where I made my Broadway debut, and I remember looking at it. Like I remember that feeling, and like it just like looking at it and hoping and wondering. And um, but then then Lone Star Love happened. But then after Lone Star Love, I had a long period of time where I was unemployed, and hmm. um, I couldn't like I think I had so much um, hope in that show, and and I also had an injury. I had mm. um, an ankle injury that I was trying to rehab, and so I was just trying to take care of myself and yeah. get my feet back on the ground, literally. Um, but I, I was working at a restaurant called Brossery. It's not around anymore. Um, it's at 53rd in Lexington. Much better. <laughs> Uh, so much better. So much better. But there were a lot of other um, actors that ended up working there. They were really wonderful and so supportive. And like when I did, I did a reading of uh, Little House on the Prairie during mm -hmm. while working there. And normally w with restaurants, they're a little like they're sticklers about taking last minute time off. Oh. this reading with little house on the prairie and i was like mm -hmm. oh, please like this is what i want to do with my life like i'm grateful to work at this restaurant right now but i don't want to be a hostess for a living yeah like, um <laughs> i want to sing and dance yeah <laughs> um yeah so uh they were like yes go go do it we'll figure it out um go do the reading they were so, so you sweet. were a part of Little House from the very beginning, I imagine, then when they yeah. were doing the readings. Yeah. Well, there were there were readings even before that. So oh. I wasn't even I wasn't a part of those. But this was like a reading that would then hopefully that then was going to go into the Guthrie. The Guthrie, yeah. For that season. So it was like a reading knowing that you'd probably be a part of the production hmm. um, later on. But there was there were a lot of, there was like six months between that reading and um, this was a long time coming and yeah. then the production yeah mm -hmm. so I had to, to then audition again for Little House on the Prairie. Oh my gosh, what was this whole audition like for you? It was amazing, and I for me what I've noticed is like it's when the, I understand this person when I yeah. know like I see myself in this person in one way, shape, or form. I mean, obviously I'm not nearly as gutsy as Laura is, but I. You know, I used to play sports and want to play with all the guys because I wanted to prove that, like, I could beat them and, like, I could mm -hmm. keep up with them. So I know her, and she also has a sense of humor. And I don't know. I just I knew who Laura was. So I, I felt like I, I could bring myself to this role. Um, so I just tried. And, it, and when you feel that way, it's really easy to just stay in your own lane and not try to compare and be like, oh, God, they're doing that, and then I'm doing That's this. That's because, like, I know, like, this is, I understand who this person is, and this is what I have to offer. And if that's right. not what they want, then that's okay. This is how I envision the role, and I re feel really confident about how I envision this person. And that's it. Um, hmm. Not that, like, of course, when you show up, you're like, hi, hi, oh, God. <laughs> you said you had to re-audition for it. For oh, my actual gosh. production. Yeah, so, so I did the reading of Little House on the Prairie at um, the Guthrie. It was at the Guthrie. And then with the knowledge that you'd most likely 
um, do the show. Melissa Gilbert was doing the reading as well. So Mm -hmm. that's when I first met her and she was so lovely and so sweet. Mm -hmm. And I had the greatest time. But anyway, then when I came back, I, I thought like I'd just be working at, you know, my restaurant until the summer and I'd get to do this this job it was just a, it was a regional job at that point not a tour yet I think obviously with hopefully the hopes of going on tour mm-hmm. but um the our director Francesca Zambello whom I love um she was not quite sure whether or not I was capable of playing Laura whether or not mm. I was capable of um uh carrying a show because it's mm. Laura Ingalls Wilder's story and you never leave the stage. I was young. I had done one other professional show up until that point. Mm. And uh, that made her really nervous. And uh, Mary Mitchell Campbell, who is our music director, who is the music director for Mean Girls, mm-hmm. um, she's amazing and so wonderful. But also, I think like the whole creative team was just a little nervous about me being a novice to this business yeah. and carrying a show that's so important to them Hmm. and um so they had me come back in and re-audition and they also um had me take voice lessons with liz kaplan who was so sweet and she like was such a supporter of me and i will i am forever grateful to her because she really she wanted me to succeed and like i had her um by my side and I was scared. I felt like, you know, for I felt like people were doubting me and doubting whether I had the talent to um, because I had just done a reading. So they made this decision based on what I gave during a reading, you know, so they were watching and thinking, oh, no, I don't know if she does have what it takes, essentially, you know, so that's that's hard to swallow, but also like part of what we do. Every experience was a learning experience. Like every new job opportunity was a learning experience for in one mm-hmm. way, shape, or form. And this was a big one. And I had to go back in and imp- and prove myself. So the producers wanted me to take voice lessons with specifically Liz Kaplan and work on my voice. And um, I did, and I love her. I love Liz. Like she was behind me a thousand percent. And then um, I went back into the auditions, and I just, you know, like I was at peace with it at that yeah. point. I know who this person I mean uh, but obviously like I lived in Laura's skin for a week like in her soul for a week doing that reading so I I felt an attachment to it but I also you have to protect yourself so it was like I'm doing everything in my power and if it's not what they want then that that I don't have power over that yeah I don't have control over that so I had to just like know what I have control over. I did that work. And obviously also that goes into the room. Like I felt all this nervous energy and Mm -hmm. like I knew the creative team and I knew how they felt about me and feeling like, oh, I hope I can live up to what they want now, which is like even more than just an audition. It's like, oh, they already have a view of what I am and what I have to yeah. offer. So I was like, oh, gosh, okay, don't wow. mess with that. But in trying to, like, leave all those nerves and all that behind me. And I think, like, believing in something that's bigger than me is it, whatever your spiritual life is, it doesn't matter. I think mm. that is really helpful for me, too. Giving up any worries, like, I am what I am. 
and I have something great to offer, whether it's right for your project or not. Um, and I really felt at peace and that audition is where I met Kevin. <laughs> so <laughs> my husband, for those callbacks, I, wow. met, I met Kevin. And you so, read with him and everything? Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. God. <laughs> And then I found out I got it and um, wow. the director, Francesca Zambello, was really sweet and was like, we're really proud of you, all the work you've been doing and um, you really proved yourself and all that stuff. So wow. um, that was great and really rewarding. And had I not had that, had I not been challenged like that, maybe I still would have coasted, like been coasting as this artist that wasn't growing. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? But uh yeah, I, I am grateful for that for so many reasons. <laughs> wow. So you ended up doing the the run at the Guthrie and then the mm. eventual tour. Yeah. I know that you had I'm I'm so inspired by your story here because I know that you had a vocal injury on tour. I did. Yeah. Do you feel comfortable sharing a little bit about yeah. How you got through that, how you persevered through that. I know you had surgery. Yes, I did. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I know I had so many little injuries, but you do throughout your career. Anyway. You it's do. so physical. It's just, oh yeah. It's a part Everyone of, does. Everybody yeah. does. And you just have to take care of yourself. But, mm -hmm. um, I, uh, so I just, I knew that something was wrong. It felt like anytime I was using my voice a lot, it would fatigue really quickly. Yeah. And I never had that feeling before. Uh, and and it just, and because Laura never left the stage during Little House, I'm like, this is weird and not right. And then I got, our tour launched in the fall. And mm -hmm. that is when people get sick. All the time. I was so sick right at the beginning of the tour, right mm -hmm. at the end of Paper Mill and right in going into um, St. Paul, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Um and I remember like having no voice and I was like, oh my, like it was more than normal. Although, I mean, we all have had things like yeah. laryngitis or bronchitis or whatever it may be. And I, I think I had bronchitis, but it was like lingering and I couldn't like, it just, it felt different. I remember when we were in uh, Minneapolis during the Guthrie run mm -hmm. and I had like a little like issue one day. Um, all I did was I went out bowling with Kevin and I and we um we I was it was loud in the yeah. bowling alley and I the next day I like it didn't have a voice weird okay but I was using my voice more than normal and um when I was at the when I was at the Guthrie in Minneapolis I was really conscious of taking care of my voice because I was so paranoid about everything that like going through the whole audition process so I was really conscious of it too hmm. um and uh, yeah, so I remember going to the ENT at the Guthrie, or not at the Guthrie, but in Minneapolis, and they said, I see something on your vocal cord. I'm not sure exactly what it is. Then I, I went when I was in New York, and I go to Dr. Sulika. It's like, yeah, so you have a pseudocyst. And I was like, wow, okay, what's that? I, all I heard was cyst. And I was like, dear God, is it benign? Like, what is it? <laughs> Um, I don't know. So he, it's, it's like a tiny, like little blister essentially okay. on your vocal cord. And I was like, why is it there? What did I do? How did it get there? And he's like, their cysts are, um, they're sort of a mystery. We don't really know where they come from. Some mm. people are just cystic, like you have cysts in your body. And, um, so I was like, okay, well that's, it's really in a very inconvenient spot. <laughs> like I need yeah. to my vocal cord. <laughs> 
And he's like, well, people can still sing and do their job on these things. Like, he's worked with a lot of singers, and he's like, so unless it's bothering you, I don't want to do anything about it. I want to, you know, have you do your voice lessons, or we can do singing therapy. We can do whatever, whatever else. He's like, I want surgery to be the last resort. And I was like, great. Awesome. Okay. Um, but then there was something about knowing that information that I had something there that made it almost worse. And I think it really like messed with my mind a lot. Uh, Everything was fine at paper mill. I felt like I was good. Like we were okay. And I was like, Oh, I can do this. Like I'll be all right. And then when I got sick at the end of that run at paper mill, I was like, Oh, my voice is like not here at all. Like nothing's Mm. here. And for a long time, nothing's here. And on, and on steroids, nothing's here. And I oh called out God. in the middle of the show. It's the only time I've ever called out in the middle of a show was during Little House on the Prairie. I went to an ENT there, and he was like, you have nodes. Oh and I was like, I do? God. Jeez, okay. He's like, yeah, you need to be on vocal rest for a week. So I t- had to take a week off of the tour I just started. Wow. I just started. Um, and I took a week off, and I remember, like just feeling like I was letting everybody down, like the creative team, like, cause I, they picked me. And then here yeah. I was like really messing up. So then when I came back from it, I was okay for a little bit. And then I got sick again. Cause mm-hmm. tour is just like a mess. A and lot. also I think I was so stressed about it. I think it was like, it was my own stuff of like feeling really, um, really scared of it and getting in my own way but then also like getting sick. Mm-hmm. And so the cyst actually was inflaming a lot and it was putting pressure on the other vocal cord and I would sing on the inflamed pseudocyst. And um, so eventually my doctor in New York, I went to see him cause I was like, this is not getting better and I feel worse. And he's, you know, he recognized that it was a mental thing too. Yeah. And he also saw that it was not good for like the vocal health in general um it was damaging the other side um he's like okay if you feel like we need to do this then let's do it Mm -hmm. i'm like well i don't want to do anything that i shouldn't be doing he's like no it's you know you've had to call out of how many shows because of this and so um yeah it was such a hard time uh but then once i got that i had surgery and i had four weeks off of the show and I rehabbed and got my voice back to something normal, but it was weird without having a cyst on my vocal cord because it (sighs) felt like I was so used to pushing so hard. Wow. Yeah. So then when I first started singing again and my sweet friend, Devin Elow, who I went to college with, I I confided in him. I was like, the first time I sing, it's going to be hard and I need to be around a friend that's like not going to judge me and I can cry in front of (laughs) So I sang with him and I remember like my voice was like, <laughs> like it came out so loud oh and so God. like easy. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of just been how it's been since then. But then after that, I felt like a brand new person. Yeah. Like I never had to miss a show. A vocal injury or vocal whatever mine was. I don't know what it's because I didn't. In, I mean, I guess who knows what caused it. But there was something on there that's not supposed to be there. Hmm. Anything like that. A vocal injury included it's um well i did because i had notes too um it's it's such a mind it messes with your brain and it messes with your spirit and you feel especially because your your voice is your uh your career it's your 
that's how you make money. Um, mm -hmm. It just, it was so debilitating in a lot of ways. And hindsight is 2020, and I can look back and be like, I should have done A, B, C, and D. I should have been meditating and like not getting in my head, but so right. easy to say. Um, but I'm, I'm so grateful for the people that I had around me. I mean, I, I had Liz Kaplan. I had um, my husband. I had like the whole cast of Little House on the Prairie. They were so sweet. And then I realized from that moment on, like I need to be open about my whole experience because there's so many people in this business that go through that some sort of that. vocal trauma. Yeah. And uh, I want to be there for them. And I've tried to be as much as possible. And it's been that's been the greatest blessing of going through it myself. You know, you eventually made your Broadway debut, finally. So what was that process like going from Paper Mill to New York? Did you know going into it that it was definitely going to Broadway? You know, what was that like? Newsies changed my life. Yeah. And it did. It did. It did. I'm so grateful. Like forever. It just, <laughs> it changed my life. But I think like playing Laura helped me to understand who Catherine is. Absolutely. They're they're cut from the same cloth. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, Catherine's fabric is a little bit more expensive. Um, <laughs> so, because <laughs> she got money. Um, but I think, yeah, that I, so I was grateful for that. And also having worked at Paper Mill because I did Little House on the Prairie and it's the, the tour launched from Paper Mill. I knew people, I knew the artistic directors there and they were so sweet and they were also champions of mine and mm. supported me. And, um, and then I also had done cabaret at Kansas city rep and, um, Ricky Hines, who was the choreographer for cabaret. He was, um, Jeff Calhoun's associate for wow. Newsy. So, the combination of those connections helped me to get into the room. I mean, I also had an agent, but I think because this was like a big Disney project in general, um, there were a lot of people that wanted to be seen for it. And I hadn't been on Broadway before. I hadn't done much, you know, in a casting director's mind, I guess. So it would be not risky, but they were seeing like young, new talent so yeah. I think it, that's that's what they wanted anyway so who knows if I would have gotten in the room regardless but I did have those people in the room already like knowing who I was so I felt mm -hmm. like a little bit of safety walking in there um and also again like knowing who this character was and feeling like I I understand her fully mm -hmm. um so that that was amazing and the whole process was really wonderful i i prepared as much as i possibly could um and at that point i had done you know many more auditions since when i first moved to the city so i knew how to be uh, better prepared yeah the, the so the, it was a first call where i had to do um the second half of watch what happens and then i had to do uh, a couple of the scenes and uh, that was it for the first call. And it went really well and I felt comfortable. Oh, I also had to sing a song of my own and I sang, um, uh, oh my gosh, what did I sing? <laughs> what is it called? It's from Baby. Story uh, goes on. Story goes on. Story goes on. Great Guys, my mom brain today is really on fire. Yeah, it felt great. And then I um, got a call back and then after that they did uh, a work session. Or wait, no, first it was dance call. And in the dance call, I, um, it was like this 
burlesque number. It wasn't a top <laughs> number. It wasn't King of New York. I don't think uh, they really knew. Like Chris Catelli wasn't sure yeah. what they wanted everything to be yet. They were creating it, and that's the joy of like a new, brand new project. Um, and I remember they were they wanted like a, a couple counts of eight where you just improv. And I was like, I don't know what to do. I, I'm flexible. So that's all I have going for me. So I like held my leg to my face. For yes, a you did. <laughs> I was like, that's it. That's all I got. Um, but the, Chris Catelli remembered that. And he was like, we're putting that in the, in the show. I was like, and oh, you no. <laughs> no. Like, oh, God, I'm not like, I don't know if eight times a week I could do it. Um, but it was really fun. And like, it, it was such a fun environment. Uh, that creative team in particular, they are like so inviting and created such a safe, uh, fun space. I mean, I have no other words except it was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, obviously with nerves and like, I really hope that, you know, I could get this, but if not, like I'm having a great time doing this. Like it feels like such a, a nice creative team. Um, and then I went in for a work session with, uh, Michael Kozarin and um, with uh, Jeff Calhoun and uh, and a few others and then it was the final call in front of like everybody it was this long table like Tom Schumacher and all of Disney and Alan Menken and Jack Feldman and Chris Catelli like the longest table and Harvey Firestein (laughs) oh my god I was like oh my god I've seen you on my TV (laughs) like it was wild so to walk into that room was crazy crazy and like just the shakes and all the things and I was like I know I know who I am I know what I'm doing I know what I'm doing um and Jeremy was in there too we had to read with Jeremy oh yeah. but I know Jeremy I, I had I knew him from uh because of my husband because Kevin did um Bonnie and Clyde with him in Florida that's right so I town. knew who he was and it was fine mm-hmm. um but we weren't as close as we are now but um I knew who I felt sort of comfortable yeah um and then I was like okay I'm leaving it up to fate like I did what yeah. I could I didn't like I didn't feel amazing but I felt like I did I did okay <laughs> I did okay I didn't fall on my face totally and I felt like I had control of myself mm-hmm. you know um and and then uh and then I got a call from the the artistic director of paper mill yeah he was like hey did you hear anything I was like, what? No, I did not. Hi, how are you? It's good to hear you. Um, he's like, never mind. Just didn't have, just back surprised. Bye. Oh, like, he gave it away. Yeah, it was very, very sweet. And Aww. I was very grateful that, you know, all those people were in my corner. And then, yeah. so then um, Paper Mill happened the first day of rehearsal. You know, they do uh, the presentation of like what the set's going to be like, what the costumes, all the things. And so exciting. And mm-hmm. oh my God, crazy. I'm like, oh my God, what what room is this? Why am I, I can't believe I'm right here. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and I remember Tom Schumacher saying like, you know, our plan is to not bring this to Broadway. This is not really it's not coming to Broadway, you know, <laughs> but well, they wanted to be transparent. And okay. actually, having done Little House, having done Lone Star Love, I was grateful for like transparency. Yes, because the I I also love the optimism of Little House and Lone Star Love, and with Lone Star Love, it was like it was at the Belasco, like it was. Yeah, it was literally there. <laughs> yeah, so that's a little different, I guess. But like, don't believe something until you sign on the dotted line, kind of thing. I mean, yeah. but also trying to stay optimistic and not be a pessimistic person. But um, I was grateful for them saying like, here's why we're doing this. 
So there's a lot of schools that are doing illegal productions of Newsies, and we want to present um, a licensed production of Newsies so that hmm. schools can do like something that's approved by the creative team, not something that they're pulling from the 1992 no film. <laughs> Uh-huh. Including my middle school that did an illegal <laughs> production of Newsies. Yeah. There were so many. Yeah. Because people love Newsies. They love And the music, music still was, you and, know, there was a lot of songs already from that original movie that Right. Were and it's really an popular. empowering it's an empowering story. So <laughs> Yeah. So I, I wasn't in it. I was too young, but I we yeah. did those songs that in would have been amazing choir. if you were yeah. oh my god it would have been it would have made the story so much better but yeah. it's not true <laughs> um but yeah so it, uh that's why they wanted to do it and i was like oh that's really interesting okay and then thinking back i was like oh my school did the one did one <laughs> but i'm not gonna say anything i didn't say anything about it until like i left newsies <laughs> um but it, there was there are so many people and now now my middle school just like last year they did um they did newsies they did the license no junior or whatever um so it was really sweet uh so that's why they were doing it and um but then we finished the the run at paper mill and then after that uh they reached out about us performing at the thanksgiving day parade <clears throat> and i was like uh-huh. well why what i mean amazing yeah. first of all yeah, amazing but like, yeah but what does that mean because that's like for broadway shows yeah <laughs> So my agents, like, were trying to um, really get on that and figure out uh, why and what's yeah. happening. And if the if they do perform, are they going to be in the Broadway production? Or are they just asked to do this performance and then they'll be replaced when they come mm. to Broadway? Like, all these things. So um, first, like, is it coming to Broadway? Yes. Um, do I get to be in it if I perform the Thanksgiving Day Parade? And we found out, like, it felt like a couple weeks before the Thanksgiving Day Parade. Um, no, it was probably, like, a month, but it felt like a long time. I think they just had to figure out what they wanted, what they were doing. Yeah. If this was, And Disney is very thoughtful about everything. They, they don't want to rush into any decision. Um, so... I, they the, they decided yes and they would ask me to be a part of the Broadway production and I remember like jumping up and down with my mom I was home in Rochester because I was doing Christmas Carol at Jiva uh, Theater like yeah. we had all like moved on to our next thing like yeah you know it was wow. put aside um, I mean we had hopes and all these things and like the fan response we call them fansies <laughs> uh, the fan response was so supportive and like I would hear like on Facebook or wherever um, that they really wanted it to come to Broadway and all these things. I was like, but I knew at that point, I was like, okay, that's amazing. And I would love that too. But um, anyway, so yeah, then it, then it came to Broadway and it was just supposed to be a limited run. Then it was a, it was uh, not a limited run. <laughs> nope. Then it was an extended run yeah. and then it was unlimited. Um, and were you even, in it the whole, you were in it pretty much the entire time. I was in it um, a year and a half. It closed in two, about two years. Okay. I left early to go do um, the tour of Wicked. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I'm fascinated by filmed productions of stage shows. Mm-hmm. How, how, what was the process like going from just performing the show to revisiting it and then uh, making it for film? So that was crazy and amazing. Yeah. But I keep telling the story um, because I think I'm just so grateful. Um, 
I was doing Wicked uh, Broadway at the time. I just actually, I think I just left the the Broadway uh, the Broadway show. Okay. Um, because I had done tour and then I went to the Broadway show mm-hmm. and then I had time off and I was going to go work at Algonquin actually, um, but I never got to do it because of Newsies. Hmm. Um, so which I'm sad about because I really love Algonquin. But I'm okay, like, I'm grateful for Newsy. So, um, but anyway, so Jeremy called me and was like, hey, uh, so Disney called and said that we're going to do, they're going to do like this filmed version of Newsies. And I said, I'm not going to do it without you. And I was like, Jeremy, that is so, so sweet of you. And you are such an amazing friend, but also like, you need to do it. Like, regardless. Yeah. Like. The fans need it, um, but I appreciate you. But that, uh, like, that was so touching and so kind. And you know, he says like, if they cast like a younger person, it would make him look old. <laughs> I'm like, okay, so maybe it is for selfish reasons. So you calling me old? It's fine. Uh, um, <laughs> but still, like, I think he has a big heart, and he like loyalty is everything to him. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm grateful that you know he advocated. And also, I will never know. So I, I may never know if, like, Disney was going to ask all of us anyway. I don't know. But I think Jeremy was really adamant about having, like, his team of people that he normally interacts with. Mm-hmm. Because it's such a, it was such a fast process. And he, um, he was doing Supergirl at the time. So oh. he was doing, filming Supergirl. And then he would come on the next day. He would fly to L.A., and film for an entire day doing Jack Kelly scenes. Um, So we filmed over the course of like two weeks, I think. Maybe, or like a week and a half. Did you film things in order or did you film them out of order? Yeah. No, so we filmed in LA at the Pantages Theater Uh and it was for about a week and a half. We had like a a week of rehearsal beforehand to brush up our knowledge. So it was like three years since I had done the show. Wow. And I was like, I got, but a lot of it's like riding a bike. I lived in Catherine for like, yeah, I lived in Catherine for like a year and a half and also did it at Paper Mill. Granted, a lot of things changed, Mm -hmm. but I knew, I was like, I know what I'm doing. Um, But it was really crazy what doesn't come back and what does. Um, So we had like a a week to like brush that up, which was wonderful. Um, Lou Castro, Lou Castro um, was our uh, associate to Chris Catelli. So he's amazing and a dear friend of mine. Um, and like, he, it's like boot camp, <laughs> with him. Um, but in the best way. Um, anyway, so yeah, it was, uh, we started with King of New York was the very first thing we filmed. And I was like, seriously? <laughs> Why? Um, but so we, we did do things out of order. And it, it's kind of like when you film a TV show, I guess. I have only done one. But <laughs> you film out of order. You film, mm-hmm. it's like, and then you kind of have to be in that mindset. You have to, like, know what the journey was for that right. character up until that point and then be there. Um, so it was sort of like get, wrapping your mind around that moment. And also because I had lived in her journey for a year and a half and really understood what that was, it was kind of easy for me. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. But like filming a TV show, it's even like harder. It's like you haven't lived that whole story. You have to like come there. You have to be there already. Um, but kind of like when you're in an audition, you have to understand what like this yeah, character like is going up to this point. And, yeah. Yeah. So it's the same thing. Um, so yeah, that, that was King of New York. And we did all of the things that I was in that day because mm-hmm. Jeremy, well, that I did without Jeremy or all the things that Jeremy wasn't in. 
So that meant watch what happened in New York. Like, thing was that day. And I was like, the very first day of filming. And I have, like, probably the least experience with film. <laughs> Thanks a lot, everybody. <laughs> no, it was actually wonderful. And um, uh, it because it was all on stage, it was the yeah. same set. It was the same costumes-ish. It was the same wig. Like, all the things were familiar. Just, Just cameras or days and cameras. Right. Long yeah. days and, like, 25 cameras all around. And, like, wow. to ignore them. But also know that, like, they're right here. So do I need to be, like... You know, well, that's what I, when I saw it, I, I immediately thought, you know, did you have to manipulate your performance a little bit so that it was perceived the same way it would have been perceived on stage, but not too big for a camera? Yeah, I think it was, uh, it's weird, like talking, I asked Jeremy a lot because he had so much film experience mm -hmm. and Andrew Keenan-Bolger as well. Um, just like how would we approach this? And it's hard because they would film like from the audience, they would film up close. So it's like, I kind of had to know the camera, know the mm. journey of where they, where that was, and then, uh, make a decision based upon that. But ultimately I had to just know Catherine, like know what her yeah. moment is and be extremely truthful so it's what we do all the time. It's what our goal right. is all the time, whether or not we feel like we're delivering that. But it's like, because the camera's so close, it will know. Mm -hmm. It will know whether you're being dishonest. So it's like, it's even harder to like dig into that truth because it's right there and it will yeah. know. Yeah. So um, it's really, I just, I tried to escape as much uh -huh. as possible. And and I felt honestly like the first time maybe ever, or at least that I noticed, where I felt like I escaped and watched what happens. Like I really felt like I was wow. the only one there. Mm -hmm. And I tell Kevin, like it's like the one moment I think, uh, one of few moments in my career where I felt like I really escaped mm -hmm. and I didn't notice anything. I didn't notice any cameras. I was just trying to, and especially because that song is so poignant um you know politically right now and yeah. with every in any moment there's injustice yeah um so i felt like i just really i i reconnected with who catherine was in that moment more than i really understood her the first time i played her um wow. and i also felt like i gathered i knew more about me as kara you know in the three years that i was in wicked mm. um so I, I tried to bring that knowledge to that experience and to that filming. Um, but, you know, I, I made mistakes, though, like always. There is I am constantly making mistakes. And I think that's um, like, it, for instance, with King of New York, I, I, I was so nervous and I was so... I tried to get into shape as much as possible beforehand because I'm wearing the heaviest costume I wear in the show. Oh yeah. King of New York. <laughs> For the most activity I do, it's I'm wearing the heaviest costume. It's like thanks a lot, Jess Goldstein. I love him so much. He was the the costume designer for Little House on the Prairie. So yeah. I knew him very well. Uh -huh. Um and uh yeah, so he I I was just so I was hot. It was summertime. <laughs> It was LA. I just, I felt like this pressure on me. I was like, oh God, don't like the cameras. We got to get that mm -hmm. shot, you know? Mm -hmm. 
gotta get it and these boys like those boys can dance for days and, oh like, yeah if the camera's on them like they they will nail it mm-hmm. and then i'm like oh i'm gonna be the one where they're like take 25 because kara messed up um but they, it didn't have it wasn't it was like i think we did it like eight times okay but to do a high energy number that's a lot in a row <laughs> yeah my mouth got so dry oh. so i'm gonna have to describe it because right they can't see me um so uh my mouth got so dry from nerves and then also from like being so out of breath i think i've never had i know that some people get dry mouth when they're nervous i don't think i've ever had that um but this was the first time um and then my my lips were getting caught to my dry teeth while filming and it was like i mean i'm making the face where you can't see it but for while I was like, you're the king in New York and like dancing and having my lips caught to my teeth and like, <laughs> and then, um, Lou Castro. I'm going to go was, back and watch it and just look for those moments and see if I, I can find them. <laughs> I've only seen it twice and I'm really nervous that like it's there. So I told, uh, and then like, I'm seeing this camera like come in on my face, like in center. Oh like, no. <laughs> like, to, just <laughs> smile or something. Like I couldn't even like. Oh, wow. I couldn't do anything. It was so tragic. I th- I thought I was going to throw up and <laughs> never felt like that before in my life. Just like that amount of high energy. And I'm, and I'm wearing a corset. Mm. Like, and I'm also only dancing for like the last half of this song. So I felt like such a little wimp. Oh, God, it was so funny. But it was fine. They got what they needed. And that's it. Wow. <laughs> what a time. I want to switch gears because I really want to hear about this. Yeah, cool. Um, so you met Kevin during Little House. Yeah. And then you had a baby recently. Yeah. So I know you might hear him right now. Thanks. Oh, no. I, that would be great if he was on cue. That would be awesome. <laughs> he's, he's crying right now. Oh. It's okay. Um, so, you know, I, I really want to hear about your experience, number one, having a relationship within the theater industry, but also having a family, because what would you say to someone who wants to have a family and support a family in the theater industry, but is told that they might not be able to do that? Because Mm. I'm sure you've heard that, you know, it's like, oh, you might have to make a lot of sacrifices. You might not be able to have a family or or have a a relationship and boom, you did it. I know. It's so funny because those are the things I was telling myself. Of course. Um, but I think I think it's just <sighs> there are so many people in this business that do have families and they yeah. figure it out. And I think it's being creative. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's what we do. We are creative humans. Mm-hmm. But being creative in how you make money when you're not on stage, mm-hmm. being creative in whatever schedule you're going to have, like if for instance like kevin was maybe possibly going to be in at good speed this fall not happening mm-hmm. anymore um but like how would we do that where would i go what if we what if i mm-hmm. needed to audition for something i don't know we have a baby what do we do um but i mean my mom is retired now and she's able to help us so we did our last job that we had was working in epcot in Disney yeah. World. So Kevin did Tarzan um, on Broadway for Disney and I did mm-hmm. Newsies. So we do these like um, park concerts at Epcot. That's so um, cool. And it's specifically Disney on Broadway related. So mm-hmm. it's for their Festival of the Arts. 
uh, sort of explaining how Disney translates their movies to a Broadway show. And um, it's really fun, and we had a, such a blast. And it was like the perfect first job after being a mom. Yeah. Because I, it was part-time-ish. Like, I, I didn't have to be there every day. And, like, the, the show was only 30 minutes long. And it was a nice, like, way to – as a mom, you kind of – everything is about your child. And that's how I want it to be. But then some days you're like, wait, who am I again? <laughs> I don't remember who I am. So it was so nice to like be just with Kevin and get to sing. Like, uh, those those are like my favorite moments ever, mm. getting to sing with Kevin. And um, so I think it it's our passion and it's important for Emerson to see us pursuing a passion in whatever shape, way, shape, or form that is. Yeah. Even if it's not to make money, you know, like right now we're talking about so many things and it's a part of us. So whether we're making money singing or not, it doesn't matter. I just, I want to be singing around him. I want to yeah. be making art around Emerson and I want it to be normal to him um, because that's, that's our normal and that's what we do. Um, so I think it's just, yeah, it's being creative. Like, now I, I do teach a little bit um, mm -hmm. through Broadway Booker and Artists and Beyond, which has been the greatest blessing. Mm -hmm. um, and I know a lot of artists in this business are doing that. But I think like once you get to a certain age, you will have like a certain amount of experience and connections that will lead you to these other opportunities on the right. side. Um, and like creating them too. Like I reached out to my old um, dance studio, like mm -hmm. my old, uh, my, uh, the person who used to choreograph for our show choirs and I'm going to potentially teach there a little bit. Wow. Um, so it's like kind of being, yeah, being creative. And, mm -hmm. um, not, if you are wanting and craving that, like, steady safe whatever <laughs> that is I and that's something that I gr am trying to grapple with because mm -hmm. as a mom you want to protect you want to secure you want to make sure everything is in its place and we're okay and there's so much that's uncertain right now it's hard to like nobody feels this way nobody feels secure I guess. yeah no one <laughs> oh, nobody. so um but you you feel like you want to do that but I think um, it's trying to find a balance with that. So like adding to what you already know, adding to, I, I know theater, I know, um, I, I know what I've experienced. I know auditioning, mm -hmm. I know this. So adding to that on the side mm -hmm. as a parent. Um, so yeah, I don't know. That's, that's where we're at. And mm -hmm. I think, um, that's how we've been able to navigate. And we've also been really lucky. I have to like, acknowledge that like I know yeah. that I've been very very lucky and um like those experiences allow certain things for me and I'm so grateful for that but I also I also know that like we all people that are pursuing this for a career and when you go and have certain experiences for a little while your hometown will always champion you yeah. you know like Ne always um, keep in touch with them. Always be connected to them. Because in those in-between moments, you can help them. You're the connection to the city. You're yeah. the connection to what's happening now in theater. So 
talk with them about I don't know choreographing for their show choir choreographing for their show um coming in and doing master classes um but you you are in theater because of what you experienced in your hometown Mm. and they're always championing you so I think reaching back to them has been really the greatest gift and I'm so I'm so grateful for it and honestly I wish I had done it more up until this point so I think just always keep in touch with the people that made you want to do this for a living it's a great point that's yeah. a great point my last question for you is if you could give one piece of advice to a young artist who's pursuing a career in the theater industry what would you tell them okay um so <laughs> many things but I think um first and foremost and I've always said this is be kind yeah because you just never know who will be your um, boss one day, who will be your the writer of the next show you are auditioning for. Like, you just never know. And also, regardless, like, life's too short to be mean um, or competitive or whatever it may be. And it's so easy in this business to feel like, because you are, there's that one part. And it's like, well, of course, you want it. That's why you're there. Yeah. Um, but I think just being at peace with yourself and with whatever outcome it may be and not pinning yourself against somebody um trying to stay in your own uh space i guess and and trusting your own space and trusting what you have to offer um and also supporting the people around you Mm. so supporting yourself but also supporting those that are also auditioning at just as much because I think it's just, it's, it's important. And I think that's what makes this community really powerful. Um, because I think like, especially now, we want the best for everybody. Yeah. And we want an equitable workplace. And, and it's like, it's just, it, it makes you kind of look back and think, okay, when could I have been more supportive Hmm. you know rather than in like in those moments when we're in those auditions we are so nervous we're we're thinking of all these things we're trying to survive that moment yeah (laughs) but how wonderful would it be to put that energy for use that energy for good and put it on somebody that needs that energy um and i learned that really at wicked Mm-hmm. where I felt like I was there's so much pressure there and there's an expectation there and it's yeah. been running for so long there's so many brilliant women that have played those witches and you want to live up to that expectation um and I felt like it it made me so nervous sometimes that it was debilitating and I couldn't just be and Caroline Bowman mm-hmm. is amazing and she she said I don't even remember the words that she said but something along the lines of putting the the your energy that's not serviceable not Mm -hmm. doing anything to um help you at all uh, putting that aside and putting all of your energy into your scene partner and into the person that you are um on stage with or the person that you are auditioning with or Mm -hmm. alongside um (laughs) but putting all that energy into somebody else well it is it's such a strange business in that like our job is ourselves yeah you know and it can feel so self-centered in a way way. so Mm -hmm. make it not 
Yeah. <laughs> just do that. Just make, make it, a knock. Yeah, just make a knock. <laughs> yeah. You're amazing, Kara. Thank you so much for joining us, so us this week. Of course, yeah. we've been talking for 90 minutes. I really hope you 90 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> I'm not cutting any of it. It's all going in there. Oh, Even no. the pauses from the just, band connection. <laughs> right, like, I, are you there? Are you there? Hello? Are you there? Hello? 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 If you've enjoyed today's episode and you found it helpful, I would love it if you could screenshot it, tag at Actor Aesthetic, and share it to your Instagram stories so that I can see who is following along with me there. If you haven't already, please be sure to rate and review the podcast on iTunes and also hit that subscribe button so that you can join me every single week for a brand new episode of the Actor Aesthetic podcast. Until then, this is Maggie Vera signing off. It takes a village. I'll see you next week.